Hello and welcome to That's in the Bible. Troubles and times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now's at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek okay, well, welcome back to That's in the Bible. Here we are with our third episode and on Skype today. I'm in the studio and on Skype is Matt. How you doing, Matt? I'm great. How you doing, Eric? Doing pretty good. And we also have Steve joining us with, with us right here at the front of the show. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Good, Steve. Thanks for joining us. So we're going to try this out. We haven't really done a conference call via Skype, so we'll see how this works. So far, so good. And uh, Steve, what's the, what's the lesson today that we're going to be hearing about? The Bible, uh, the lesson we have for today is, is the Bible for everyone? Is the Bible for everyone? So we're looking... Actually, actually the first installment of two. First installment of two. So we're looking forward to that. Okay, well, let's not uh, delay any longer. Let's get right into the meat of the show, and here we go. Our quote for the day... George Washington told a gathering of Indians, You do well to wish to learn our arts and ways of life, and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. That's probably, again, not very politically correct, is it, uh, for George Washington to to say. (laughs) Not in today's standards, that's for sure. It would be more like, how how dare they, uh, you know, downplay or or not take into account the uh, the culture and the the uh, you know the, their own religion instead of trying to foist this this uh, religion of Jesus Christ upon them. That's right. You hear about that all the time too. You know, even at work, wherever you're at. Uh, well, what about those? Uh uh african americans or you know all those people in africa and india and and uh you know what about them that have their own religion but uh, the bible says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so he died for the whole entire world not for uh just a certain individual or race which is a great thing that's right you know, at one time, uh, people would immigrate to this country to have the kind of lifestyle and the kind of belief system that this this uh, country offered, and uh, now that's uh, that's changed totally. Uh, and they were actually following what uh, George Washington was stating in that quote, looking for uh, a better lifestyle. And of course, that was found in Jesus Christ. It was a Christian nation, not just a, a, a place of, of plenty. And uh, many people immigrated to this place to find that uh, find that freedom. And uh, you know, if you take a look at the other countries like India and uh, even the uh, the Muslim countries, uh, you know, Iraq, Iran. If you take a look at their quality of life, just take a look at their streets, their 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 internal structure. Um, you know, those places are not well, and even the way they treat women, mm-hmm. uh, it's. It's a pretty tough situation for those, for those folks. I happened to see something the other day on, uh, in the news, and I'll put a link on the show notes for it. It was about a girl marrying a dog in India. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> you got to kid me. <laughs> I mean, you, you talk about superstitious people. And what they were saying was that um, this was going to um, you know, appease the gods, that uh, mm. by, by her marrying this, this dog... That it would appease the gods, and, and you know their family was going to have a better, 
better luck, better fortune. And that didn't preclude that she could eventually marry a man somewhere down the road. But they actually have the video for this as well, of this girl marrying a dog. I mean, you know, the, these these other countries that, that don't follow the Bible are, are just so, so superstitious, and they do just crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah and you, you see also, uh, you know, the tattoos, where that originated, that originated from uh, heathen uh, places, uh, practices for worship, and, and now we've brought it over to this country here, the the uh, the states here, and we've got tattoos going on here. So I wouldn't uh, be too surprised if that uh, uh, process of getting married to animals comes over here eventually. Now that we throw out this Bible out of this country, yeah. Well, I hope not. It would be odd, wouldn't it, to be invited to a wedding and you know, do you take this dog to be your <laughs> lawfully wedded wife or husband? Of course, we're on the road, aren't we? You know. Yeah. We're on the road. When you when you, uh, you open up the sanctity of marriage of a man and a woman to whatever, it uh, it opens up the door for all kinds of things. Hey, evolution just says that we've evolved farther than them. So uh, we're all related in some way, the evolutionists believe. So, you know, what would be wrong with that in their eyes? And, you know, you can see it in this country, too. All the dog lovers, you know, they want to marry their dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're probably not We're probably not far from that. We know there's another aspect to that uh, that statement that George Washington made, in that uh, this, as we've already stated, this this country was founded on Christian principles, on Christianity, and on Jesus Christ. And now, when people come into this uh, this country, they expect us as a nation to acquiesce to their uh, lifestyles, their wants, their desires. Of, uh, from the countries in which they've left. In other words, the Muslims want uh, their, their sounds of prayer, their, their uh, calls to prayer uh, publicly uh, uh, noted or, or voiced over the speakers so that they know exactly when they can go to, go to prayer. Uh, you know, you see it all the time at Christmas time where you can't have the, the manger scenes up because it offends someone from... Uh, a belief system that they have, uh, you know, the country was set up so that everyone could worship freely what they want. It wasn't to change what United States was was established to be. And uh, when the founding fathers established this country, they set it up on on Christian principles uh, for a righteous and a moral people. And you can see what happens now when. Uh, the the people are no longer righteous and moral because of what they've done with God, what they've done with the Word of God, uh, that you just have total anarchy now. And, and all of the things from marriage all the way down to the problems with kids cheating and stealing and and the uh, the moral fiber of this nation is just going downhill, downhill, downhill. And uh, unless God does something miraculous, and Christians stand up for what they really believe, uh, you know, this co- this country is just going to cease to exist as we know it. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, you see God's judgment on those nations. Uh, you've got Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, you've got the whole world that he gave judgment on in, uh, Ad- in uh, Noah's flood there, where he only saved Noah and uh, the seven others. And, and there's definitely judgment coming for this nation, which is very scary unless uh, us Christians stand up and, and shout aloud and cry aloud. Uh, the Word of God. And what do you think? Do you think it's only God's mercy that that ha- hasn't happened yet? I think so. 
Well, it's God's mercy that it hasn't happened to the extent, but we're seeing the the results of that digression uh, taking place even today. I mean, you just have to take a look in the last 40 or 50 years, uh, the, the pregnancy rate in teens, the academic scores, the, you know, the uh, violence, um, you know, all of these things are, are just getting worse and worse and worse. And, uh, you know, what we thought were problems back in the 50s and 60s are, are child's play compared to what the schools are like today. And that's all a direct result of taking God and taking uh, the Bible out of the schools. All right. Well, let's go ahead and let's get started with our lesson for today. And with us is Steve. And Steve, take it away. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, uh, Eric and Matt, for giving me the opportunity to present uh, uh, today's podcast. As was mentioned before, the, the title of this lesson is, Is the Bible for Everyone? And again, as I mentioned before, this is the first installment of two. Um, does the Bible have the answer to this question? I really believe it does. Uh, you know, when I talk to people about, you know, the Word of God, and they, they give me the impression, well, you know, it's fine for you, you're a Christian, you know, you believe these things, it's okay for you, but the Bible's not for everybody. You know, it, it, it's such a broad term. It's all, all encompassing to try to say that the Bible is for everyone. And you really can't mean everyone, can you? I mean, that's the arguments that I receive. Uh, you know, they say, like I said before, it's just referring to those of the Christian faith. Uh, you, you, you're not talking about people all across the world. What about the Muslims? What about the, the Buddhists, the Confucianists, the, the Taoists, uh, uh, all of the other faiths that are in the world. You can't possibly be talking about those. The Bible's not really speaking to those. Uh, even those that uh, have no faith at all, uh, whether we're referring to uh, atheist, which atheist all that is, is uh, ah, theist, uh, no God, theist being God. Uh, you also have uh, those that are agnostic, which is no knowledge, which is what Gnostic means, no knowledge, they're, they're unsure uh, that there's anything. So um, I guess uh, an agnostic, at least the ones that I have dealt with, really don't want to know what the Bible has to say. They are happy in their ignorance. And um, as a result of that, they're living what the Bible calls an Epicurean lifestyle. An Epicurean lifestyle is, is basically a philosophy that means eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Uh, you have people that are living purely for their own pleasure, for their own self-interest, for their own happiness, and they have no uh, interest in what God has to say uh, to them. And, of course, the Bible has much to say for them. You know, the strange thing and the odd thing is that people, the atheists, the agnostics, are playing the odds that they will not have to stand before a holy God and give an account for their sin. And to be honest with you, that is a, a terrible gamble to play. You're, you're talking about an eternity without God 
without hope in a place the Bible calls hell, which is eternal torment. And just for the, 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 the pleasures of this life that you may want to enjoy, maybe 60, maybe 70, maybe 80 years is not to be compared to what you're going to lose for all of eternity. Uh, the problem with uh, agnostics and atheists is, is the same that uh, was for the Jews standing before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was presenting Jesus Christ before them and says, what shall I do with uh, Jesus whom you call Christ? And they said, crucify him, crucify him. And uh, uh, Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? And they said, we have no king but Caesar. And it kind of reminds me of a parable that Jesus Christ spoke about a king going off into a far country. And it says the citizens of that country, which he was making reference to the nation of Israel and also to the uh, Pharisees, the citizens of that country said, we will not have this man reign over us. And that's where the crux of the whole matter is. They do not want to be placed under the authority of anyone but themselves. The problem is a problem of authority. They do not, agnostics, uh, atheists, those of other faiths, do not want to be placed under submission to the creator and the sustainer of the universe. The Bible says that God is the creator. Let's go to the Bible and see what the Bible says about this issue, and then we'll make some further comments as, as it approaches. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, a verse that everyone knows, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It just goes without, without saying, without any question, that God is the creator. It says also in that same chapter, in verses 26 and 27, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. If someone, and obviously this is kind of a, a no-brainer, but anyone that is born a human being is from Adam and Eve, and therefore also created by God. We also went through the, uh, uh, Matt, a couple of uh, podcasts ago, went through the body, uh, soul, and spirit and, and talked about this very thing where uh, we are no longer in, created in the image of God, we're created in the image of Adam, but that still doesn't make us any less human. And because we are human, we are uh, created by God himself. In Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 12, Isaiah 55, verse 12, says, I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. It just reinforces the fact that God created man upon the earth. 
and he stretched out the heavens and the hosts and so forth. In Isaiah chapter 42, in verse 5, Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 5, Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth, that which cometh out of it, He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit unto them that walk therein. Irrespective of our race, our nationality, or our creed, God is responsible for everyone being here on this earth, and especially you listening to this podcast. You realize that, that God is the one responsible for giving you the last breath that you just took. He is the one that's responsible for that. He is your creator. And notice what it says there towards the end of that verse in, in Isaiah chapter 42. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it. God is the one that's allowing you to breathe. The only reason why you're alive is because of God. The Bible further states this. I mean, it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say this in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. That's in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1, take a look in verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That's a reference to Jesus Christ. Now notice what it says as we go on there. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Just as it stated there about God the Father in Isaiah chapter 45 and Isaiah chapter 42. Uh, it says the same thing about Jesus Christ. You can't take a breath without Jesus Christ letting you take a breath. In John chapter 1, and of course familiar verses to many, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, maybe you're unfamiliar with this. To clarify who the Word, capital W-O-R-D, is, just take a look in verse 14 of John chapter 1, and that'll clarify who that is. And, of course, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And you know what the Lord does? He just kind of sticks the goat in further to those that reject his authority by stating that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, is responsible for creating all things. You know, you can talk about God, but they don't want you to talk about Jesus Christ. You know, uh, my son had, a, had an opportunity to pray for his graduation. 
and he could use the word God, but he couldn't finish the prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. The, the, the public, the, the world, just wants to get rid of Jesus Christ because he is God the Lord, and they don't want to have to be under his authority. They don't want to answer to him. Therefore, when the Lord speaks or makes a statement to all mankind in the Bible, it is for everyone. And again, I say this, it's irrespective of race, nationality, or creed. It doesn't make any difference whether you're a a Hindu or a Muslim or a Sikh or whatever. It doesn't make any difference when the Bible speaks, it is speaking to you. This verse has come up a couple of times in the last two podcasts, and it has such a a depth of meaning, but I want to rehearse this verse again just so that you understand that when God speaks to everyone, it is to everyone. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, it says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, it's not for a select few. It's not just for the elect. This is for the whole world. Whether they believe in God or not, it is for them as well. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Take a look in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. When it uses the word men here, it's talking about mankind. Talking men, women, children. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and it says, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. It's speaking to mankind, saying that it is appointment. There is an appointment that each human being has that he's going to die. One day he's going to die. You're not going to escape that, that appointment. People have been trying to escape that, that appointment for years and years and generations and generations, and no one has succeeded in defeating that. But once man dies, it goes on to say, but after this, the judgment. After this, the judgment. Now, that should be a sobering thought to anyone. Because if the Bible is true, and I believe it is, We are going to stand before God and give an account of ourselves to Him. And whether you're saved or lost, you're still going to give an account to Him. The Bible says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, He's talking to His disciples here just before He ascends and goes up into heaven. He's giving his last instructions. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, 
even unto the end of the world. Amen. See, that's, that's not just to a select few. That is to everyone. Uh, in a different gospel, the gospel of Mark, the same occasion, just before the ascension, Jesus Christ said it this way, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And again, that's not just to the elect. That's not just to a chosen few. That is to everyone. The Bible has a message for everyone. And it's our responsibility as as born-again children of God to get that message out to every creature. Let's go on to say, uh, to John chapter 3, verse 16. <clears throat> Most everyone should have this verse memorized. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That whosoever means everyone, everyone. That even means you. That even means you. Let me ask you a question. Are you born again? It was written and directed to everyone, which includes you. You know, I get thinking about this. I, 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 all, I try to think of, of the retorts that I would receive from people if they were here in conversation with me. And, and, and some of the things that I, I, I get in my own conversations is that, you know, they think God is some tyrant. Uh, you know, the foes, uh, the enemies of God try to make God out to be some sort of a tyrant. And here I want you to understand that the Lord has given each of us the privilege of choice. The privilege of choice. God's not going to demand or force you to make a decision for him. He has given you a right and a privilege and a freedom to make a choice for him or to reject him if you so choose. It goes on to say in John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, that's the reason why Jesus Christ came to this earth. He came to save sinners, of which I was one, and I thank God that he had, had patience and mercy with me and, and, and put up with the number of times that I rejected him until I finally came to my senses and trusted him as my son. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And that's the reason for the message. That's the reason why it's sent for everyone. As it says in, in John chapter 3 and verse 16, whosoever. There, there are people out there with a belief system that's different from the Bible. And God wants them to understand that with that belief system that they have, they'll go to hell. Sorry that that sounds so, so restrictive, so confining. But see, God's the creator, and he can set up the rules however he wants. 
And he's chosen to set up the rules in this particular fashion. And it's incumbent upon us to follow the rules or pay the consequences. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And that's really where the authority problem comes in. Men love their sin. They love the lifestyle of sin. And therefore, they don't want to give in to God's demands. They don't want to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because they don't want to give up their lifestyle. They don't want to give up what they consider to be fun and enjoyment and happiness. The Bible says this also in that passage, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Do you realize, folks, that, that the people that do not want to receive Jesus Christ hate the light? They hate Jesus Christ. And so it is, it is their mission in life to try to do away with Jesus Christ, to try to take away any memory or any thought of him. I mean, now in, instead of uh, being born A.D., it's, you know, Anno Domini. Now it, they're trying to change it to uh, beyond, or, uh, beyond the Common Era or something along that sort. They're trying to change everything. They've taken God out of the schools. They've taken God, uh, the Bible, out of the schools. They're, they're trying to take God out of every aspect of our life. They're trying, even if, if you really press them, what they really want to do is making, or, 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 uh, making a hate crime out of witnessing to someone about their faith. How is it that people are so insecure about what they believe that they can't have a conversation with someone about what they believe? They can't exchange the thoughts and ideas of what they believe with someone else without them being totally offended and, and wanting to persecute someone because and call it a hate crime. Paul talks to Felix, I believe it was Felix, and he, and he reasons with him the scriptures and the gospel. And he says, almost thou hast persuaded me to be a Christian. Well, at least he had the opportunity to exchange those ideas. And Felix considered those ideas, but made a decision not to receive Christ. Here we're coming into a day and age where you're, you're not even able to pass out tracts on the street. They're trying to take that freedom away. They're trying to take the freedom away to preach on the street. They're trying to take your, away your freedom to witness. You can't witness on the, in, the, in the job site. Uh, it's, it's against the, the rules of the company and against uh, other things that I can't, can't bring to mind right now. My mind's kind of gone blank right there. But, but there's rules, specific rules in the workplace where you cannot talk about Jesus Christ. can't talk about your faith. It goes on to say, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Folks, it's a choice. It's a choice. God has given you a choice. He has presented his demands, and then he's given you a choice. The Bible says this in John chapter 1 and verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them, that believe on his name. 
it's for whoever chooses to receive him. And that message is sent to anyone and everyone. Let me ask you a question. Are you born again? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? If you're not sure that you're born again, we would ask that you contact us here at thatsinthebible.com. There's a place for you to leave a message, leave a note. And it it would be such a privilege of ours to be able to show you how you can have forgiveness and be set free from your sin and to be a new Christian or a new creature in Christ. The Bible says this, and I finish with this, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God wants you to be saved. And I know we have Christians that are listening to this podcast, but there might be just the chance that someone that's lost, maybe religious, but they've never had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, just on that chance, we want to give this invitation to you that you might receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The next installment uh, of this, this podcast uh, is the Bible for Everyone will be expanded a little bit further by asking this question, is everything written in the Bible for me? Eric, Matt, that's all I have for this podcast. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, Steve. That was, uh, that was excellent. Amen. That was good. And, and just one thing I want to add to it as well, uh, along with what you were saying, was, uh, you know, in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, the Bible says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in uh, him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And that's the bottom line. All these nations, uh, as it said in Matthew 28 there that you read, we're supposed to go out to all the world and teach every nation and baptize them. And the problem is, is that a lot of times, even people that might be listening to the broadcast, uh, they're, they're like the people in Second Peter chapter 3 uh, that, the, that God talks about. In verse 3 it says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. There's going to be a lot of people, especially in the last days, which I truly believe we're in now, that are going to be walking after their own lust. They don't accept Christ as their Savior because they love what they do. And in verse 5, it says, For this they willingly are ignorant. Now, in the Greek, that means stupid on purpose. Uh, you know, they, they just don't, they, <laughs> they want to just keep going on in, in what they like to do. And the Bible says that, listen, you're willingly ignorant. And what are they willingly ignorant of? Well, in verse 7, the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved on a fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So the bottom line, like what Steve was saying, uh, there is a day of judgment reserved unto those of ungodly men. So definitely, if you don't know Christ is your Savior, don't be willingly ignorant. Accept Christ as your Savior today. Amen. Steve, you, you touched on it, I think, uh, just a minute ago when, when you talked about uh, how it, it may be hard for some people to hear, for some people to understand that... that uh, you know the Bible is for everyone, but it it also seems to bring division. Well, yeah, it brings division 
uh, well, between Christians, but also believe uh, to unbelievers, in that they just have internally this this belief system that that their faith is personal, and therefore, you know, they have to have this this. Uh, uh, however they define it, you know, the man upstairs or whatever, uh, irreverent statements that they make to try to convince you that they have some relationship with God. But they don't want to be exposed to the Word of God itself. They don't want to be held to what it says. Uh, they would rather interpret that from their own feelings. And that causes division. Uh, you know, uh, it's... it's how can, I, how can I explain it? Um, people would rather go on their feelings than solid written statements in a book. And therefore, they choose not to believe because it doesn't feel right to them. And that's the wrong assumption to make because, look, today you can be angry and tomorrow you can be happy. Your, your feelings change from moment to moment. Mm -hmm. And to put your eternal soul... Uh, in the hand of your feelings is a pretty risky business. Uh, I'll give you an, another example of that. I happen to be uh, checking out another um, a podcast that has a forum, and they actually this this particular forum is the result of they do many podcasts, and one of the rules that they have on that forum is they are not to discuss anything related to the Bible. So somebody brought up the comment they had questions about homosexuality they said you know i don't i don't know if i've ever seen anything in the bible that that's against homosexuality and immediately the moderator on the forum jumped in and said i you know let's not let's not talk about things that divide us let's talk about things that bring us together as as if the bible would divide yeah well when you look in romans chapter 1 and verse 20 we not only have the evidence from this book but also the evidence of creation. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 20, if you look there, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power in God has that they're without excuse. God says we're, we're without excuse. But he also goes on, if you keep looking down to verse 21, 22, 23, he goes on and says that God will allow you to go over to an unclean mind uh, and to go to these other religions. And it says right here in verse 23, uh, in verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They thought that there was a better way to get to heaven. In verse 23, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man. And it goes on, and you see all these heathen religions uh, going to birds, uh, uh, beasts, all that kind of stuff. And if you keep going down, it talks about uh, God allowing them to be going off into vile affections, into actually men being with men and women being with women. And, uh, you know, when you look at uh, health reasons, you know, I, I heard a statistic that, you know, when you are actually a homosexual, your lifespan goes down 20 to 30 years. And, you know, they try and say, well, that's because, you know, it's such a hard life to live. You know, you get you get put down. But uh, that's not what it was. They weren't looking at suicide. They were looking at actual diseases and just their regular lifespan. If they would go by the Bible, uh, they'd be able to live a good life. Well, Eric, you know, you were talking about division and so forth, and, and it's, how can I say, uh, the Bible says this in, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, 
It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom they have to do. You know, the Bible by itself is divisive. It makes people make a choice from one thing to, an, to another. And whether they choose to receive what the Bible has to say is, is the choice that God gives them the privilege of having. But it doesn't make the Bible any less true. And the Bible is divisive because it wants you to stand on one side or the other. Either you're standing with God or you're standing with yourself, your own beliefs, or the beliefs of someone else that uh, you have chosen to espouse. Uh, God divides. And um, you can't get away from that. That's why they want to get rid of this book. That's why that moderator didn't want to have the Bible in there uh, in, in its discussion because it does bring division, and division is good. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like to, to accept that, but division is good. There is right, and there is wrong. There is left, and there is right. They're not the same. Amen. As much as people want to try to make them the same and make everything all gray, make a choice. And I would suggest that they make a choice for God. Amen. Well, I mean, there's... There's a lot more we can talk about here, there's, and uh, perhaps we should save it for next time. Yeah. Amen. Well, Steve, thanks again. You're welcome. Yeah, Steve, that was great. And uh, you've just listened to Steve, and we just finished up our discussion concerning Is the Bible for Everyone? And that was part one. We'll be bringing you part two next time. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Christians away. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will many will meet their doom. Trumpets will will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous meet in the skies. Going where no one dies. Heaven we're bound.